tell you what. All right. We'd like to pick up on a couple of the things we spoke about last week. You know, uh, we're still talking about this uh, MJ-12 document, which is uh, highly, highly controversial. Um, How controversial? Highly, highly controversial. <laughs> uh, it's been uh, labeled as a hoax. And uh, as many, many critics uh, have uh, attacked it, for various uh, inconsistencies, it's uh, it's been over thirty years, and that's a long time for uh, silence uh, on on a hoax. Because isn't it the point of a hoax to eventually take credit for it, so you can show people how clever you are? If the MJ twelve documents are a hoax, what's the point of the hoax? And isn't it a bit overly elaborate with all these reams and reams of document? Why go to all that trouble and then not take credit for it? As a researcher, I'm less concerned with the question of authenticity than I am with the content. If the MJ-12 documents are fake, then they are very professionally created fakes that most likely are government disinformation. That has a whole bunch of implications on its own. But what if they're real? What does that mean about the state of our world today? It is hard for me to reconcile the conclusions of the Eisenhower briefing document with the reality of the UFO phenomenon. The document says that aliens don't seem interested in contacting us. But after the Eisenhower oh. years, the incidences of abductions and direct encounters skyrocketed. You have the Betty and Barney Hill case in uh, mm -hmm. the Sheriff Schrimmer case in Nebraska, the Lonnie Zamora case, and the Pascagoula uh, I mean, it would be more fun, come on, if they wanted to play. These cases, <laughs> and many like them, make it certainly, certainly indicate a hostile intent on the, part, on the part of at least some of these aliens. It's possible that after the MJ-12 briefing was written, things changed between the aliens and humanity, that the relationship took a new, darker turn. It's also possible that the visitors never had a benevolent agenda in the first place. Okay. I mean, I, in a way, fa you know, come flash forward to today and we're still in the same uh, conundrum. Yeah. It, it goes back to this uh, memo that was written by Army Air Force General Nathan Twining he wrote a memo to his uh, boss, Brigadier General George Shuligan, about the, quote, flying disks. Twining indicated that, quote, the phenomenon reported is something real and not visionary or fictitious, unquote. <coughs> um, so he's saying that, uh, excuse me. He's saying uh, that um, Hollywood's just making stuff up, but there's something really happening. 
Yeah. What's interesting about the twining is that not only was he listed as an original member of the MJ-12 organization, there's even that memo to him telling him to attend a meeting of an MJ-12 at the White House, but it's also true that he was in the Roswell area around the time of the crash. Mm -hmm. He actually canceled a scheduled visit to Boeing a few days later because of, quote, something important that had come up in New Mexico and he had to deal with it. He then headed to the Air Material Command at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and the wreckage of the Roswell uh, crash was brought. And uh, that happens to be the home of the Air Force Foreign and Technical Division. So for him to declare that the phenomenon was real was quite a statement. So was he, was this just an offhanded comment that people are analyzing or did he actually uh, become a whistleblower or did he, they would have killed him. No, no, Twining was uh, not killed. No, no, Twining was. Uh, but he wasn't just a, really a whistleblower. It was just something he said. Uh, yeah, and and later. of course that they uh, uh, keep trying to look for clues of statements that he may have made that indicate that he was involved in this uh, operation, and his vagueness in his uh, press releases and. Uh, also, the fact that uh, General Twining's logbook was uh, divulged and it indicated his uh, movements in the New Mexico area and his flight log was very uh, precise, you know, and, and, and those things uh, are, are, you know, categorically true. I mean, his flight log was... Uh, very important when it was discovered because it indicated that uh, Twining actually was quite busy. In, it uh, also sounds like some there's a lot of people have done some heavy research on this stuff. Okay, yeah, quite a bit of people. The more that they've looked into the reality that this uh, actually did occur, uh, the more it, it took on a, uh, a really remarkable... Uh, um, it took on a remarkable story because it shows you how far the government would go to keep something from our, you know, knowledge, uh, whether uh -huh. it be for our own good or because they still need to look into it. Uh, they never expected this to happen. I mean, we just, you know, got finished with uh, the war in the 40s, and here we are faced with a uh, an unbelievable new uh, danger, and so the 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 fact that they had to put this subject in a classified uh, category is not unusual. And uh, in hindsight, uh, I, I feel bad that uh, we had to keep the the biggest story in our life. Uh, actually from being taken serious and it's all because of the uh, unknown factor of their uh, their visit i mean they never came here with a calling card and announced uh, that they were here for a tremendous uh, advantage uh, of us you mm -hmm. know so we had to speculate that uh, uh, 
the visit seemed to be uh, indica indicative of um, a an insidious uh, uh, concern for us. They uh, were picking us up, and uh, we had no uh, reason to uh, stop this. Uh, we had no control over this. This was completely involuntary. And uh, could you imagine the officials and the government trying to tell the American public that uh, right it's not just that the American public can't handle it but it's also especially it it, it kind of seems like this was uh, okay we can we can go back into ancient times and say alien we have evidence of aliens and there's plenty of people who believe that but in in, in our in our lifetime it seems like this was the beginning of something after the war there at this period in the 40s uh, with the atomic weapons so in addition to the pandemonium and the debasing kind of movement that would happen if people were told your religion is not real, there's an alien who's a higher power, right? Mm. That would. But, but aside from all that is the fact that they didn't know, or it would appear in these documents that we've been reading for several episodes here that they didn't know what their intentions were. Exactly. So uh, until they knew what the motivations were for coming here. Uh, they didn't even know what to say. <laughs> so they, so they, the, the, letter, the least that they had to say to the public, the better. So, and that would only occur if they made this subject classified, which would, which would allow them to, you know, not answer any questions. But it makes you wonder what do they, you know, it makes you what are they hiding now? What, what more have they found out between, 1947 and, 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 and 70 years what later. What do they know in the interim? Has that uh, level of uh, and concern that, that, that continued? You, and, and, and what 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 kind of things did they do on any of our space missions that we, we didn't even know about? To reach out to them or to communicate or to leave a message or who knows? Mm -hmm. I mean, we actually did do that in you know, with our time capsule or whatever. Yeah, the Stephen time Hawking. capsules. Hawking. <laughs> But uh, the, 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 all the information that, that's critical to this subject seems to really have occurred in a, in a brief period of time between the 40s and the 50s. After that, it really went underground. And uh, mm -hmm. you noticed even, well, even today, just think about three weeks, four weeks ago, all you heard about is these Navy pilots and Lou Alexandro from the Pentagon and, and his divulging this uh, awareness that these Navy pilots uh, saw this uh, uh, continuously. And, and now you don't hear a peep, nothing in the newspapers, nothing about any more sightings. It, it's amazing how they, they, they swallow it up quickly and, and it's gone from the newspapers. I haven't heard one one article from uh, from that report, which which would divulge that they were uh, going to come up with a follow up because there was so many people asking about what was in that report that they didn't divulge. Here's what we need, people. What we need now is we have new technology out there. These amazing cameras that have, I believe, it's the infrared lighting 
that you can actually photograph video, you know, a good ways away in the night sky because a cell phone ain't really going to cut it. No one's going to believe you're seeing a little white dot going across. You need something a little better than that. So I think what we need is some vigilante journalism (laughs) because (laughs) how else are we really going to ever know? (laughs) Well, you actually need to probably sit down with the government official and really put it to him about the cover-up. I mean, I could handle a conversation with a with a military uh, elite because I know <laughs> the whole story. And if he's in the government for a long time, I'm sure he knows the whole story too. <laughs> uh, this subject is nothing to be... Uh, uh, taken lightly it's uh it would it wasn't put in this classification for nothing rob in the live chat room uh and on the podbean app is saying that ring cameras have caught have caught stuff too so i'm gonna, I'm gonna have to start not to start digging a little deeper into that uh you know my friend denver in Ireland, he's in ireland he's had uh repeated sightings and he he's the one that told me about this camera i'm like you gotta get one come on man Come on, man. <laughs> the night vision. Yes, because, you know, these, uh, you, 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 otherwise you, you just, you get something that looks like a star or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like a mosquito. Or your hand is shaking and, yeah, it looks like, oh, my God, I saw a UFO. And people look at it like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. Um, lightning bugs. Mm-hmm. Yep, lightning bugs, yep. Yeah, lightning bugs. That's what's coming down here. Seeing lightning bugs for, for for seventy years. Well, some people have seen lightning bugs on octane, <laughs> moving a thousand miles in a matter of a split second. You know, like most of our aircraft do. If there are any questions from some of our listeners, I would be glad to hear from you. Uh, yeah, we got a live little little crew today in the live chat. Questions are what I live for. <laughs> Because well, through through the answering of uh, someone who has more knowledge about what the story is and how to how it's being controlled. Oh come on! You like being challenged. That's what oh, it is. I, I sure do. <laughs> you can't uh, you can't talk me down. Okay, so I was just looking in the. Um, <clears throat> this is the Majestic Twelve document uh, manual, right? No. No. That's the oh, SOM. that's the manual. I'm sorry. This is the it's the briefing document. Okay, the briefing document. Yes, but it does have uh, General Nathan Twining in here. Mm-hmm. So all the research is showing that these guys. Uh, I mean, it's circumstantial. A lot of the, I mean, most evidence is right about anything is circumstantial, and it does count, especially when you can put together an entire puzzle. <laughs> yeah, separately these these pieces look, you know, totally amazing. But as you as you put this jigsaw puzzle together over the years, it it does definitely make more sense that there's a uh, a very sophisticated cover up going on. I've been saying this for many years, and uh, I will continue to say this until the public is really aware that we've been uh, deceived 
And uh, that deception has caused a lot of uh, disappointment because a lot of people are confused. You know, they see things in the, in the sky and then they're told that uh, what they saw was a piece of, uh, you know, fallen uh, moon dust or a <laughs> meteor or something. So they're never given any credibility. So, so most of the people who have seen things never report it anyway because they don't want to be ridiculed and, and, and noted as a, uh, a UFO uh, fanatic. Uh, <clears throat> when, uh, when Jimmy Carter in his uh, early days as a uh, governor, he had a sighting himself. And uh, he swore that once he became president, he would release the peanuts. all the information oh, oh, on no. the, the subject <laughs> that he could. But uh, when he was uh, president, uh, he was debriefed by uh, George Bush Sr. and told not to uh, go forward. And uh, he was quite uh, depressed over this. And there's uh, accounts in certain books that I have that and that's uh, a common there, there's been there's well there's been a few presidents who have had sightings and and a few presidents that have had yeah and once they interest. step in that wet water mm -hmm. they get penalized right uh, Reagan was penalized for bringing it up uh, they brought his wife into uh, the controversy because she had a knowledge of uh, uh, astrology, and uh, they they try to make it like she was uh, controlling Reagan's decisions on on appointments uh, mm -hmm. made uh, on on astrono astrological uh, dates that were important to uh, to Reagan. So, th so, <clears throat> so these guys are all uh, potentially. If you were one of the majestic twelve, you would probably be considered a button pusher. You would be someone who could possibly put pressure in the right places, uh, and they would work together underground, basically, mm -hmm. right? To undermine your statements. So if you made a statement to a, uh, a press uh, reporter, and it happened to reveal something that had to do with this subject, uh, there would be a way to uh, either edit that out and not get uh, a lot of coverage to the public, on that uh, particular uh, incident, mm -hmm. or they would uh, disqualify his uh, his reckoning of what he said he saw, and make it sound like uh, it was something you know uh, of a mistake, because every time there's a public official of a high rank like the president who has made a statement that that brings this subject to light. There's, there's retribution to be paid. Uh, and I'll, I'll point it out uh, uh, spectacularly with, uh, of all people, Hillary Clinton. She had a tremendous interest in this subject, as her husband did also. And uh, I heard that she, before. She had a, uh, a, an acquaintance uh, with uh, Lawrence Rockefeller, who had a... Uh, a proposal. Wait, is that the one who was the vice president? There Lawrence, was a Rockefeller. No, that was, was that was Nelson Rockefeller. Oh, oh. Lawrence Ro Rockefeller had a place out in uh, Wyoming, I think, and uh, Hillary oh, Clinton sure visited the place. And, uh, 
you know, <laughs> he had a, an initiative that uh, he wanted to get uh, Hillary involved with because she swore that when she would become president, she would declassify all the records on this subject. Yeah, well, she still hasn't cured and, health care yet. And look so. at what happened to her, her election. <laughs> you know, it didn't well, go anywhere. You now, you could there. say that oh, it's I coincidental that... Uh, <laughs> That all these people um, that another swore, one of the long line, huh? <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> that all the ones that swore that they would do something wound up getting a roadblock put in front of them. <laughs> and uh, promises, I, uh, promises, yeah, promises, promises. <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, the, the, this majestic twelve committee, whatever it's called today, is as powerful as it was then as it is today, and. Uh, I'm sure that the uh, the knowledge that this group possesses is quite uh, quite amazing. Otherwise, they would have decided that it's time. We just need to one of them who's dying, you know, kind of slow and feels really guilty. That's we got to have a whistleblower, man. We need one of these guys. Well, but it seems like it hasn't happened. Oh, I guess they're there to make sure it doesn't. <laughs> Well, when you when you go back to the fact that those documents were leaked, and uh, whoever decided to uh, to reveal them uh, was was doing so at his uh, at great risk, and uh, it, it could have been someone who was a family member of one of the MJ twelve uh, members, or it could have been. Um, uh, the uh, the family of uh, Eisenhower, uh, because there was a tremendous uh, rejection of the cover-up uh, that was going on with regard to the subject, and Eisenhower uh, used to refer to it as the military-industrial complex, and that was as close as he uh, ever got to uh, describing this uh, deep state that's uh, been mentioned I, by... I, I, uh, we're gonna, I wanna bring that clip up. Uh, let me see if I can, I'll have it for next time. That's such an amazing uh, quote. I heard it and I, I have to go back and find it when yeah. Eisenhower was talking about the military industrial complex and how mm -hmm. that was like the, one of the biggest threats we have mm -hmm. and a, a threat to, I think he said something along the lines of threat to our liberty or a threat to our constitution or something like that. It's, it seems that that was going. What was going on after the uh, Roswell crash was so secretive that uh, they were concerned about sharing this with anybody else other than the uh, the twelve members that uh, got the uh, the full report of the updates that would come in as time would go on. Because dur during the early uh, the late 40s and 50s the sightings continued so they did keep it they did keep tabs on these sightings and they recorded them and uh this is what developed into project sign and reluctantly turned into project grudge appropriately named grudge hmm. grudgingly mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it, it turned into project blue book which uh, was another uh, open publicity stunt for uh, the public to think that uh, that they would 
the government was doing a real uh, great job of finding out what these uh, objects were. So that was the above above water program. Yeah, so it was a, it was a public relations. They, they act stunt. like they leaked it out, kind of. Yeah, so so every time sightings <laughs> occurred, uh, each year that the Project Blue Book was in in effect, the numbers were diminishing. So by the time uh, that they closed the, the Blue Book report, which was 1969, the, the number of cases that were being reported were down to, to one or two, which is not accurate because the sightings were, were still continuing at, at a large rate. And also so were... Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, they're they're continuing like crazy today, actually. And you know, like when you you mentioned the, uh, well, what you and I would probably call like you know the military purposely leaking the couple of videos that they've let out there with that the pilots shot right that the Air Force pilots had had filmed. But mm -hmm. then you hear from different pilots and air airmen accounts that. That's just scratching the surface on what they've seen and what they filmed and the encounters they've had. I mean, that's what, the, <laughs> right? Yeah, you have There's, a discrepancy between certain pilots saying uh, just what they saw, and then you have other pilots trying to disregard the uh, the reporting and saying, "Oh, it's just a drone, or it's a it's a misidentification of a of a, a balloon that got loose." You know, those are the people that uh, I, I love to debate because uh, they sound like they uh, they know what they're talking about, but they. But you uh, know what really the thing don't. is too. The thing is when what the, the, look at something like the balloon incident. It's a psychological operation. Once once the news got out and that picture of the balloon was out, it did its damage. It did its effect. Right. The fact that someone discovered later, that later years, uh, someone admitted it was fake and it was found out it was fake, doesn't reach as many people. So, the you know, they, they cast that blanket wide. They probably know there's going to be a few casualties, but they still get, by and large, a nice sopping up of the effect of reality on society. The, the recovery operation on the Roswell uh, crash, uh, when you look at it, uh, it as it's been reported over the years, if it was a weather balloon, it wouldn't take over a hundred military officers kneeling, kneeling shoulder by shoulder on the ground, looking for little pieces to pick up. If it was just a weather balloon, it would have been picked up in in fifteen minutes. You know, <laughs> why did they have to sit? I mean, why did they have to kneel? and cross the property where this crash occurred and be shoulder to shoulder looking for little pieces to be found. I mean, there's an awful lot of effort there to retrieve a weather balloon that they, they've seen millions of times being uh, coming down in the Well, in it was area. a weather balloon, Rob. Come on. They're, they're, they're not telling you the full name. It's, um, it's, it's a... Uh, Project it's, Mogul. It's yeah. a bionic uh, anti-gravity, and uh, reverse gravity, heat induction, uh, you know, out well, of no, space actually, uh, Rob, they, Yeah, Rob, they actually <laughs> changed the story. Initially, it was a weather balloon, and then as they got 
questioned and uh, over and over about it. They upgraded it to a, a project, a super project called uh, Mogul, which was a, uh, a weather balloon that was constructed to detect Russian detonations of atomic uh, bombs. And this was a special project that was put into effect uh, and was misinterpreted as a alien craft. I mean, they continuously came up with a, a cockamamie story to uh, cover mm -hmm. their behind, but I mean, it never, it never in, held. In, in the early days, it was disproven. This, this story about well, it wasn't disproven. Was it? It was later, I think, <laughs> that it was actually disproven. The, the weather. Well, it, the evidence did didn't it, it fell add apart up pretty quick, huh? The evidence so didn't add up. Said, oh well, this guy was—he just wanted some, some some media attention. He made up the story. That's how they get out of that. Yeah, well, they took the people that were very closely affiliated with the crash itself. They took them into, uh, um, uh, how would you say, into, into a closed session. For and one of the members. really, wasn't it, for, wasn't it for a period of time? But they were, put in for, they were brought in for questioning mm -hmm. and intimidation. Ah, debriefing. And uh, like the, the, the one rancher who reported this uh, this crash in the initial days wound up driving around in a brand new pickup truck after the officials took him in for questioning they shut him up <laughs> with a brand new pickup truck and everybody in the town knew it because he drove around with that truck and people wondered, you know, where did he get that new truck? So it all fit, you know, that this man was put under pressure. Listen, Hoss, I know you've been eyeing that new Chevrolet Dooley. <laughs> yeah, I've been looking. Come on, I've been wanting that for a strong long time. Truck, here's your keys. Now shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also, like, uh, the other individuals that were uh, closely affiliated with the recovery operation the uh funeral uh director i who was approached little, yeah that's an interesting one i I've, i heard his account i, I saw a, um, a documentary of his account where he was on camera talking about it yeah he was uh quite um uh what do you call um he was quite truthful in what he said and uh, he has stuck to his story all these years and I'm sure it doesn't, uh, it didn't do him any good to continue carrying the story because he was constantly harassed. But, um, and he didn't actually have the sighting himself. He was, oh, he, he was he, a funeral he, director. He, he ended was up interfacing with a friend of his who was directly involved. Mm -hmm. And then she discussed it with him at lunch one day and then disappeared after that. They, they shipped her off. Mm hmm. He was also approached uh, as a funeral director. Uh, he was uh, asked if he had any small, uh, humedi humidically sealed, Herm hermetically uh, sealed uh, containers con for small bodies. What? Yeah. What if he they, thought was a it, children's it, it, crash. Say, yeah. If there was, if there was such a crash, they wanted to. They were contingency planning or something like that. I think they did. Yeah, it was also the the, the funeral director was kind of curious as to uh, uh, this being a uh, 
uh, a crash involving children because uh, they asked for uh, uh, four, I think, four uh, caskets. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, so, uh, the, the it just didn't make any sense because he, there was he, no publicity in the newspapers. He said he thought it might have been like a high-profile kind of killing or something. That yeah, there was want. no articles in he the newspaper about a crash. Yeah, he, he knew something was up. He, knew something. he didn't know exactly at the time, maybe, but he started to figure it out. So. Yeah, but he, he didn't. Uh, there was no stories in the newspapers about a children uh, being involved in a crash. So that whole oh, you haven't been in my house, and that, that whole story <laughs> didn't really hold water. But uh, in in the years gone by, there has been many uh, books written about the uh, the people who lived in Roswell, and they've all stuck to their story. A lot of them have been annoyed with the continual uh, harassment. Uh, by uh, people who criticize their uh, testimony. And uh, <clears throat> this has continued for, for years and years and years. When you go to the town of Roswell today, I mean, it's like a, a museum on every street with the aliens <laughs> hanging out the window. But uh, Which is just fine with the, the cover-up uh, aspect of trivializing it and making it a cartoon or something. Yeah, it just brought more attention to the whole subject. But it also put it into a very uh, uh, comical uh, position because uh, it's difficult to accept somebody who says, oh, I saw uh, aliens. Right away, right away you're, you're labeled as a, as a freak. So, uh, well, I had a past life uh, regression done, and I actually, um, what I found out is I actually abducted an alien. That was weird, man. That was really weird. <laughs> the, uh, the subject gets enough uh, bad publicity without uh, trying to uh, make up stories for, for people to get, you know, a little notoriety. It's like we were talking about yesterday. That what would it take to prove it to somebody? You know, it's. I think some people almost would never believe it anyway. You'd have a small percentage of it, just never believe it anyway. They're they're set in their belief, and that, and you're not going to, and they don't want to open the the door, the, the back door, the side door to that. They're going to hold on to that till death. So I come back to the same last paragraph of the Majestic Twelve briefing document, which says. Contingency report 1949 will be held in continued readiness should the need to make a public announcement present itself. So that means on a need to know, unless they actually landed in Central Park and you couldn't deny it anymore, the the cat was out of the bag then they would be pressured into revealing what's been going on. But until that time occurs, they're going to continue covering this up. Because it, it, it would, I just, yeah, it would take something really dramatic, right? Yeah. Like, a, like a crash landing into you know, the middle of a football area. field while the, you know, while the Steelers are playing. The, the and, and, those <laughs> very, and those very examples are mentioned in the That's, SOM. Yeah. Should a crash occur... In a populated area, how would they cover the event up? And there's, there's uh, 
explanations on how to handle that. Interesting that mm-hmm. they have contingency plans for all sorts of situations that may occur. Uh, and all these contingency reports uh, and, and, and ways to handle the situation developed as a result of this subject becoming more and more uh, looked at in a serious way. And, and because they had to broaden the scope of this whole uh, well, cover-up. Yeah, but think about it. Like today with the modern technology, we all have, a, 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 we all have an amazing camera in our pocket. Um, there's all kind of ways to take videos and films. It's, it's every day it's being shot. There's drones everywhere. Can you imagine drones? I mean, uh, you could get a great shot with a drone. <laughs> so the more, and then, and then, and, and, and if, if we don't, we don't have the real statistics, so we can't say for sure, but if, if sightings are picking up and constantly on the rise, it's, it, that adds pressure too. they, they, they got to keep the lid on, you know, the more and closer people get to the truth, they're going to keep that lid on, but one day. And so are the aliens keeping the lid on because they're continually being elusive as far as we and know, evasive. as far as we know, they're not, they're not picking people up in the middle of the day. I heard Elon Musk, you know, he goes over there and has lunch with a couple of them and stuff. He's their favorite. That's what I heard. I don't know. He has yeah, champagne with them. <laughs> the uh, the abductions occur in in unusual places and under under unusual circumstances. They don't occur in a widely uh, populated area in full view of a lot of witnesses. They always seem to occur in isolated areas or where there's a minimal amount of uh, witnesses. Because the witnesses that usually get uh, captured in this uh, uh, moment uh, where the the craft and the people are close enough where they know what they're looking at is nothing that comes from Earth. When they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're looking at something that's not from this planet, that's when the, the psychological effects seem to uh, set in on the witnesses. So there's a, there's a multiple uh, uh, exchange of situations occurring, not only with the person that gets uh, abducted, but by the witnesses seeing the abduction occur. And this happened with the famous case, Travis Walton, who was abducted in Snowflake, Arizona, in 1975, uh, he had uh, five eyewitnesses. As were they he was, military? No, he was. Uh, they were in a tree thinning uh, operation like where they, uh, they contracted the uh, mm-hmm. removal of uh, trees and debris. And uh, the this crew uh, was returning from a day's work, and as they were traveling through the uh, the woods. Uh, they saw this uh, light moving through the trees, and kind of uh, reminds me of X Files. The way the X Files was they going. they <laughs> they pulled over and uh, they they saw what it was. Uh, they were completely freaked out. But Travis uh, got out of the uh, the jeep and started to walk 
towards this uh when this everybody light. else ran the other way he he went towards it is that right he walked up to this object and uh he was directly underneath it and he got hit with like a shot of a beam of light some kind of thing and it took him right up into the beam of light and his uh his his friends saw this happening and they said let's get the hell out of here and they took off at high speed and they left travis there all by himself but after about a half a mile of uh running away they uh they stopped and decided to go back to see what happened to uh, travis walton and uh when they got back to the area there was no way to f find him he was gone and uh, that began a search party looking for him uh took about a week he showed up uh outside of uh, a phone booth on a highway and uh, he was taken in for uh, a checkup and a physical examination and uh, during the examination a, a very funny thing showed up his uh, his level of protein was significantly high it's called a uh, ketone, K E Y T O N E. I think that's the word, mm -hmm. and it, and the word refers to a, a protein yeah. level in your system. And if if he was faking this whole uh, abduction, and they were feeding him hero sandwiches and and giving him, they could have not given him the protein level that he had in his system. It seems to have been fed into him hmm. through uh, uh, whatever, way. <laughs> whatever way he received it. Maybe the same way they removed the uh, <laughs> the same thing they do to the cows. <laughs> yeah. Leave it at that. <laughs> so that that particular case was uh, it led to a famous movie called "The Fire in the Sky," and uh, it, it received a, a fair amount of uh, attention. But uh, it also raised uh, uh, tremendous fear in the military uh, government uh, to to think about what do this could mean mm. if this occurred more frequently, and uh, this is why this uh, this subject is continually staying in the top secret category, and <laughs> uh, I think that. Uh, all these uh, abduction stories are also concern uh, a concern to the military for the implication of, of what's what's the reason for all these abductions. What, it's, what are they the, doing? You know, the, and it's 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 one thing to think about fear, and then when you hear the pilot accounts, there's so much excitement in their voices because they're pilots. They're into the technology. They're into the the apparatus of flying and right. the machinery of that and what technology that must be. And they're kind of marvel at it. So they kind of have the ones that, you know, most of the, uh, that I've heard they're they don't sound scared. They sound uh, amazed. excited. Yeah. Like amazed. That's a good word. Yeah. Because they know that when you're flying and you make a right angle turn, that involves G forces that could not be, uh, you know, uh, easily uh, accepted by the human body. The body would be ripped apart by the G-forces uh, of a right-angle turn. Unless you're Brett Favre. I think Brett Favre could handle it. 
after that many years in the NFL. And he, he no finally matter, got hurt when he was like, no matter what he was 65 when he got hurt, he was 65. That was, that was pretty young. <laughs> but uh, I, I know that G forces are a, a big concern to pilots. You know, they, uh, when they uh, do maneuvers, uh, they can black out. Uh, they get uh, in vertigo and they, uh, uh, they'll pa- they'll actually pass out in, in, mm-hmm. in the airplane cockpit. So uh, there's ways to, uh, to get into that predicament and they are very careful when they fly those planes because that they don't want that to happen. <laughs> uh, so, well, I, I remember a little moment that in Bob Lazar's testimony where he claims he went into the hangar, but all the other hangar doors were open this one time for like a matter of seconds, he got to see what he described as several spacecraft of different shapes and sizes in the hangar that, that, that he, he can assume that had a different team working on each one. Mm-hmm. He was just working, uh, if you believe his account, which is, you know, obviously he's been torpedoed, but there's a lot of people uh, that believe. I, I, I always like to, to, to see them speak and judge for myself. To me, that's just a personal thing. If I believe them or not, it's important to me. But, and I do believe this guy. But, uh, the Bob Lazar story is quite amazing. Uh, it's... Uh, I don't see him benefiting from telling his story. I mean, he, he was penalized heavily. Yeah, he was definitely criticized and harassed. And uh, Oh, I mean, and also he, uh, the point I think we talked about before, in a, I'm sure in one of the prior weeks, but about when he, um, what they said, oh, he wasn't working for us or, you know, for that. What, was it for the, it wasn't the NSA at that time. I guess it was in um, Los Alamos or something like that. Or are we he was in Roswell. Well, he, he was, was working he at was Los, Alamos was Los Alamos when he got okay. noticed by Edward Teller. But isn't that where they said he wasn't working there, but then there's a newspaper article that proves that he was, yeah. and there was a story about him when he did work there that's in the newspaper and in mm-hmm. the library. So. Yeah, there was an article about a, a, a car that he built uh, with a jet engine in it, and it was it was written about in the... Uh, a local newspaper in New Mexico, and it was uh, it was on a rack inside uh, the Los Alamos, and uh, Edward Teller happened to be reading the article, and uh, Bob Lazar walked by, and uh, they got into a conversation about it, and uh, it it wound up leading to him getting a job at uh, <laughs> As they Area Fifty One. This guy can put a jet engine in his car. Maybe he's the kind of kind of crazy guy we need for this yeah project. they needed somebody he, that he would be able box, to right? work outside the Out, uh, yeah. the box outside of conventional thinking and he he I had think, good background i mean he wasn't just a uh a kid working on uh was go-karts you know right? <laughs> i mean he was uh quite uh quite knowledgeable about technical things and he was uh, a nerd he was a what a would you nerd. would call a nerd you know <laughs> electronic nerd and, God bless them. Uh, God bless people like that because <laughs> this is what uh, you know the government looks for in in engineers and and people that uh, are uh, you know like Tesla and uh, 
And it stuck with me that he, you know, he Elon Musk, you know, these people mm -hmm. have multiple uh, ideas in their brain. You know, they don't just think on one, on one direction. They, they, they multitask their, their thinking. So they're, uh, they're always exploring different avenues, which is good because that, that, you know, it just shows you how, how amazing the human being is that he can, uh, uh, get involved in, in multiple tasks at one time and, and it's, achieve it something, you know, true visionaries come along and, and see yeah. like, like you, you mentioned, um, um Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, these people were, were amazing. When you know, you when Tesla died, we, you know, I'm, I'm sure most, uh, I'm sure everyone's heard this story. Most of you have, but the government came and confiscated all of his, his whole warehouse full of stuff, everything, all of his records, all of his writings, all of his studies. All of yeah, his but projects. when he was alive, they looked at him as like he was like a, a wacko, mm. you know. But as soon as he died, they 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 took all his stuff, and 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 now we have things in our in our society that have uh, beginnings with him mm -hmm. because he he de he developed a alternating current. Uh, DC, AC, DC. Uh, we have a big rock band who took that name <laughs> and uh, made a big success out of that name. Well, but and uh, and, and, he, and he was, uh, I believe, doing some things with lightning and had he he actually he actually had some theories that's that are kind of similar to uh, um, cellular phones mm -hmm. and satellite technology. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was way out there, man. He was. Uh, he was a true uh, visionary, yeah. And uh, to to this day, I mean, they still look back at his work, and uh, I mean, they they talk about Edison, but meanwhile, Tesla, I think, was far far beyond Edison. Yeah, Edison you know? was a good businessman, though. He took it and he made it safe for the home without any, you know, and um, and I think he was just good at marketing and putting his business together and doing his commerce. Cause he was, you know, he had, he, he definitely was a winner too, but, um, but you know, there's very little real invention. Most of it is a rehashing. Look at Apple and Microsoft, look at Yahoo and Google, look at, you know, AC and DC. <laughs> I'm amazed at the, uh, the advances that uh, America has made since the uh, the recovery of the Roswell crash, because uh, the intention of uh, makes you wonder about the self bomber ch challenge like the uh, the technology that was uh, uncovered by this uh, recovery. They wanted to quickly figure out how to incorporate it into our technology. And, and, and so certain pieces of this this technology was given to. Uh, according to the information that I came across, uh, to Bell Labs, to IBM, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, various R&D research, <coughs> excuse me, laboratories around the United States. <coughs> and this would be part of the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the research that would be used to make uh, the United States a, a more technological uh, country. But what, but in Bob Lazar's account, he gives the impression <laughs> that it may take ages for them to figure out what this stuff is. I mean, at best, um, 
he he had the theory that I believe he considered that he his best guess was that it was anti gravity. I believe is what he said. So that's <laughs> we don't even have a unified uh, theory on gravity, folks. So to <laughs> to say this thing's running on anti gravity when we don't have a unified scientific theory on what causes gravity and, ma and magnetism is is something else i mean there's obviously uh um more to magnetism than meets the eye oh sure <laughs> magnetism is a real interesting uh phenomenon it's uh you know people think about it as uh you know just north and south and they attract but the uh the application of magnetism in uh spacecraft in uh in a lot of technology that we use today is uh, is just simply amazing. I mean, it's uh, way, way more complicated than uh, just the, the two polar pieces of metal sticking together as we usually uh, think of a magnet to be. But uh, electromagnetics and... Uh, Okay, but, but we're dealing medics. with, but we're do, but that this isn't this isn't our psyche, what we know, right? And then and then Lazar goes on the spacecraft and says there are no control panels, there are no wires, there are no silver things, there's no boxes, there's no screens, nothing that looks like the normal shit, <laughs> so it speaks. So. Yeah, so look at how far <laughs> magnetics could actually go. It I could mean, develop into something. And, then, and I believe the reactor he was working on was located. You know, was in a lab, but it it came out of the exact middle of the ship. And they said it was quite small mm -hmm. too. Yeah, if it, I believe he described it as just sitting on on a desktop, almost the size of a football, with a small orb in the middle. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guy who had his job before him was blown up, or he died. They didn't say he was blown up. He said he, so he, whether he electrocuted himself or whatever. So. While he uh, apparently while he was trying to cut into the device, <laughs> yeah. So you know yeah. you're pretty much out of ideas when you're trying to <laughs> cut through. <laughs> well, in his autobiography, Robert Lazar explains uh, that there was a uh, a change to the uh, element chart, uh, and that this uh, element was given to them by these creatures. And the name of the element is uh, unofficially called unimpentium. And it has a number called 115. And uh, it was added to the element chart. Uh, and it was never noticed. Uh, I mean, it was never uh, officially recognized until years later. And uh, it's interesting that Bob Lazar knew about this way before it was even uh, brought to the uh, to the public's attention that uh, a new element was added to the uh, chart. Uh, so, and, so for all you gamers out there, man, that's the next one you want, man. That Unpentium One Fifteen, go out and get it today, man. It is bad. It has properties <laughs> to it that are uh, uh, very. Uh, extraterrestrial if you want to say it uh because nothing well, it like yeah, it ever it existed yeah that's why it became a separate element because that mean that means it could not fit into one of the molecular categories that are existing on earth that's why there would be an additional element added mm -hmm. or obviously it came to earth now so it was added 
how it got here, whether it was handed off like a baton in a, in a, in a relay race <laughs> or it, it fell off of the ship or something. But yeah, certain times, certain here? people in the, in the government sometimes say things and, um, they, they get away with it, but they, at the same time, they're, uh, they're revealing things in their statements that are quite extraordinary. There's one statement that sticks out in my uh, consciousness about um, this um, engineer who worked at uh, Area 51 came forward and mentioned uh, that a lot of things that Bob Lazar had spoke about were actually true. So he confirmed that he... Uh, knew uh, a lot of the places in Area 51 that no one ever knew about, like S4, which was a, a separate section in, in the Groom Lake area of Area 51. And this is where the hangars were uh, in this S4 uh, location, which was about 12 miles south of uh, Groom Lake. I think he said when he went to work, if it's the same hangars you're talking about, it was like in the side of a mountain mm -hmm. or it goes it underground or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And the, uh, you hear about those two, these underground silos around the world where the rich and famous are going to hide out when they press the button and run. They got the money to afford it. Well, I sure hope uh, there's a friendly alien coming down here that day. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, the story of, of uh, Bob Lazar is is um, kind of uh, uh, complicated in that it, there's not too many people who have come forward and admitted that they've worked there. I mean, he's probably one of the only ones that has actually written a book about his. Uh, his adventures uh, at this uh, location, but uh, the the story is pretty uh, consistent with uh, other parts of uh, his um, his testimony about him working there and his affiliation with certain individuals that uh, did work there, and uh, it, it does point to a uh, a very uh, classified location i mean this this location in nevada is uh is uh is is the most in the united states uh classified as a, as a restricted area they tried to to go to that area to the gate and uh, they were turned back by military uh protection so uh it's, yeah, and I heard they, uh, after that, is, are you talking about when he brought, like, a team of his friends up the mountainside so they could get a view overlooking it? Oh, that was a separate, oh, that was another oh, incident where they yeah. they tried to get a peekaboo uh, mm -hmm. view, and the government wound up buying or taking possession of that land. More land around so, through they could, the, uh, so no one could get that close again. The Bureau of Land Management, which is initials are BLM of all initials. <laughs> Bureau of Land Management uh -huh. took uh, about 50,000 acres of property, which would uh, not allow anybody to see into the uh, the valley of uh, okay. Bloom Lake. If, if, if cover-up is evidence, there's yet another example. Right there. Oh, the millions of points of evidence 
like I said, it's a giant jigsaw puzzle. And the more you, you focus on all the pieces, the more it, it does make sense that the, uh, the Majestic 12 group, committee, whatever you want to call them, are more powerful than Congress. They're more powerful than the Senate or the House. And, well, I think uh, Facebook's got them by a little bit, but, um, you know, today. But, uh, but then again, we don't know. It might be 24 by now. For they, had, they had some babies. <laughs> I, uh, I think that uh, each, each time that we speak uh, about this subject, people will be more, uh, more inclined to understand the, uh, the enormous effort that uh, our government took to keep this subject uh, from being taken seriously. And uh, I think that it was also shared with the other governments in the world. According to the National Security Agency and the National uh, I'd Security like, I'd Act, I'd like to see us do an episode on that, on the international side of this of this issue, um, because I think that's it's complex and it's that is really interesting. Because you know we can sit here and say, look at yeah, these guys, but they're just they're Americans. Aliens <laughs> only came to the United States. Right, they right. never they never went anywhere <laughs> else. They only had a Right, past we've had, the U.S. We've had uh, lots of activity in sightings and reports. South America, there's been sightings. In Australia, there's been sightings. In Russia, there's been sightings. China has had sightings. So this is an international uh, cover-up. It's not just a United States cover-up. I mean, it wouldn't make sense if only the United States was covering this up. How, how would they prevent... All the other nations from yeah. From so there must be some other right because you know what? What if there was a crash landing in in Belarus? There's there's a definitely a cooperation. Well, there's also this. was it in the SOM where the uh, or the Majestic Twelve document that it had that little part about it? it oh no, it was the SOM right because that was the one that lays out what you do in this situation, what you do in that situation, and they actually said it could involve recovering items that have fallen in countries outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's okay. various uh, projects. Would one that be illegal? <laughs> Could they get shot for is, that? Maybe. <laughs> one of them is called Operation uh, Blue Fly. And another one is called Operation Moondust. Mm-hmm. And these different uh, <clears throat> these different projects are are are, are a cover for a uh, a recovery operation, and they and they assign different names to these various projects uh, or recovery operations, so that they because there's not that many that there's uh, dozens and dozens of them, but each one is assigned a a title. So that's why Operation Blue Fly uh, contains uh, individuals that are going to these specific places. Sometimes it's a location in, in another country. It could be in Africa, <laughs> could be in, uh, in the Middle East. But there's, uh, <clears throat> there's a, a group that's assigned to handle this recovery, and it's, and it's accepted by the other nations uh, and it has 
jurisdiction that supersedes all of the other nations. If we have any sim- people that are really into symbolism or numerology out there, um, it's very interesting aspect that if you look at all of the governmental space, pro- well, we have a few non-governmental ones now, but space programs from different countries, if you look at their space flags, um, they all seem to have somewhere on there a vector symbol or the symbol of the flying V. Triangle. Or, yes, or the triangle. That's that's right. And, and and it's amazing. I've seen there's some there's some videos on YouTube uh, that show the vector sim, symbol what, symbology. Am I saying that right? <laughs> Symbolism. Symbolism. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I I strongly believe in that when 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 you know because there's uh, when you think about cults when you think about belief systems and religions there's always the the cult and the occult right well they always there's find always, a symbol to, right to focus right. on mm-hmm. because that that symbol look at, the, look, look at the look at the pyramid on the dollar bill for example in the eye so you have to look no further than our own dollar bill <laughs> uh, I think in some of the upcoming episodes we're going to cover we're going to do one on alien viruses mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there's some there's some really interesting stuff that Rob's been researching on that that he wants to share we're going to do that one pretty soon we are going to do one on the pilot accounts and uh, I think we're going to probably continue a little bit more uh, we're going to do one on the um, the international aspects of the cover-up yeah the uh, the five nations of the Security Council, which signed uh, this uh, agreement to uh, to follow. Rob in uh, the live chat is saying that uh, blue is uh, is also a recurring theme. That's true. You've, there is a few different programs that have used that. Yep. And uh, the blue bird uh, is that Twitter? Uh, hmm, it's a blue bird too. That's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Hmm. Project Mockingbird, Bluebird, uh, mm-hmm. Blue Book. Huh? Yeah, they use these uh, funny words to uh, to stand for these groups, <laughs> and sometimes they're 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 <clears throat> you can see what they're covering because the word is so uh, it's like a blanket, and it, and it covers like uh, the overall uh, it's controlling of, the narrative. Yeah, once again. That's their favorite thing to do. I mean, it's what anybody does who wants to keep something out of the press, whether it's political. Like we know today, the controlling of the press is is widespread. There's very little journalism. And when you look all the way back to the 40s, you can maybe get a little soulless and not freak yourself out to know that it was, yes, happening back then, too, in the 40s. We had JFK shot, if you believe that one bullet went through, you know, shot shot a man three times basically two guys three times shot two guys three times with one bullet boy he was a really good shot with that shotgun who just happened to be on a window overlooking the path that he didn't know was going to be by his business where he got a job coincident and got shot right as he was being arrested gee can't tell a story now Mm. dead men tell no tales (laughs) anyways anyway uh, we're going to pick up with this next week uh in this very unusual subject and uh, try to explain more details uh, as to why the subject has uh, wound up uh, top secret. 
Yeah, I want to thank everybody for coming on the live chat. Uh, we will be back next week. We're in, we're, we, you can catch us live on the Podbean app and catch us after the fact on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Mr. Bob Bria is our expert. And, and please supply some questions because I love questions. He likes to be challenged, y'all. So you can email questions at ufostopsecret at protonmail.com or come on back next week, folks. We want to appreciate Forsaken, Rob, Lady Me, all y'all for coming through the live chat on Podbean. But we will be back next week with more truth seeking. I yeah. will be back. <laughs> Have a good rest of your evening, folks.